0: All right, here we are on Friday. It's uh API storytelling time. One of my favorite slots for the week. Uh, let's uh let's get rolling here and bring on the crew. Let me bring in Mike. There you are. Hello, Mike.
1: Hey, how you doing, Ken? Good to see you.
0: Good to see you too. It's a beautiful week. Let's get Aiden in here. All hey right, guys.
2: How you doing? hey.
0: Doing good, feeling pretty good this week. Feeling like I got some work done and it's a beautiful day here in Oakland. Hopefully, same where you guys are. Um, so we have a guest today, and and the three of us, we seem to kind of alternate and toggle with guests and, and all three of us being here. So this is cool. Um yeah. uh the the person we have joining us today, uh Kristen Womack, uh, I've known for We were just talking real quick, trying to figure that out, Uh, 2013. So she was one of my kind of staple speakers for API strategy and practice, which was a conference I ran with um, 3Scale, Steve Wilmot from 3Scale for, oh, I don't know. We ran it until, so 2013 until I think 2017, 18, and then we gave it to the Linux Foundation, and it became the API specifications conference which is now um, Call for Papers are coming out next week. So, um, but uh, Kristen's always been great. Like she's always been a, a kind of staple speaker for me. She can speak on a, a lot of different topics and she's someone who just having in the hallways, in the, the restaurants, the speakers, dinners, the bars, she was always like super fun to hang out with. So I wanted to be uh, bring her into the conversation here and let me bring her in. And hello there. How are you doing?
3: Hello, I'm doing well. How are all of you? Uh,
2: doing all right, in. This is great. Thanks so much for joining us.
3: Yeah, I'm glad to be here.
2: So this is
0: restream. This is us uh, getting a little bit better with our production. Some of the first ones weren't weren't so great. So we're getting smoother each time. Um, but uh, thanks for coming here. Um, I, you know, I talked about you in context of how I know you. But I would love to just hear who are you and what do you do, and and kind of how, why why do why do we know each other? Like what what brought you into kind of my my or our orbit? I would say.
3: Yeah. So I I have a kind of a long and windy road with APIs. Um, I started working on APIs back in two thousand and eight, and I was working more on uh, APIs that were not open APIs or public APIs, and When I started getting involved in the open API space, I was working with Best Buy open APIs. And so then I started going to a lot of conferences that were related to open APIs and um, started writing a few articles for the programmable web and watching the growth of the APIs there. And so that was a really exciting time around 2011, 12, 13. And um, then we met, Um, but previous to that, I was working for uh, the first time I was at Best Buy. I was at Best Buy mobile. And um, my journey with APIs started with programmable connectivity to the mobile phone carriers to build software that you could activate mobile phones from the sales terminal. And so that was a lot of fun working with the APIs across at t T-Mobile, um, Verizon, and then some of the Canadian carriers as well.
0: That's quite a background. That's quite a background. It's. Uh... But when you, when I had you speak at API Strat, I would say you definitely stood out as someone who didn't just do APIs. Because like I can usually tell people, like I'm pretty one track. I'm pretty a, i am pretty I do a lot of APIs, and that's a lot of what I do, write about, think about, talk about. But you were clearly like you do a lot of different things. Like you're definitely, you're similar to Mike, I would say, and Aiden as well. I think that's why you, you dive on this is down this call is you bring just a lot of experience and you focus it on apis but you got a lot of other things going on when it comes to your interests and hobbies and and whatnot and you threw out a word you described yourself so i want to kind of bridge the conversation that we just had so we don't lose it because we really suck at talking off camera and then not capturing it. So I want to bring it on to here is you you described yourself using a word that I had not heard before. And I would I would love to hear it again and hear your description of it. And then we can go from there.
3: Yeah. I you know, I think there's sometimes you go through your life and you are looking around and you're like, gosh, there's just something about me and I don't know. And then and then you find and then you figure it out. And in the end of 2019 I just went for this search for finding a new therapist and it was like, this is where they need an API for your whole medical background. Like, here's my API. I don't wanna fill another one of your forms that you're gonna put in the drawer and then I'm not gonna see you as a therapist. And so I have all these forms living in all these places. Um, But I, I went through like three or four and they just weren't a fit. And I started knowing right away. Like I walked into this one office and the suite number was 404 and I was like, I just, I can already tell this is going to be a no-go. So then, so then I, I found this other woman, um, not through my insurance, not through any place else, but on social media. And she was posting some really interesting things. And so when I got to her office, I looked at the forms and I was like, I'm i am just not going to fill them out this time. I'm putting a stand to this. I'm not doing this anymore. So then we get to her office and she says, um, oh, your, your forms aren't filled out. And I was like, yeah, I just, I'm not sure if you're the one yet. And so I'll fill them out afterwards. And she's like, okay, do you think I can fill them out while we talk? I was like, yeah, have at it. If you want to fill them out, that's great.
1: Yeah.
3: So I started working with her for the last year. And as I was going through different things in my life, I started realizing um, she introduced me to these topics, which I guess I'm a thing that I didn't know, but I learned that I am a multi-potentialite, which is a form of giftedness. So, multipotentialite means that means a couple of different things, but often it means you can go through different careers and then change careers. So somebody might be really surprised to hear that the last time they talked to you, you were in public relations and now you're working in software development and then you're uh, becoming going to med school. And multipotentialites are very interested in a lot of things and um, can get pretty deep into a lot of different topics. And so, like, you might not know this about me, but I actually, my college education and formal training is in sign language interpreting and linguistics. I did so, not know that. <laughs> and then, um, I got to the end of interpreting and, uh, got to my internship and I was like, this is not a fit. This isn't a fit for me at all. And, um, and when I started sign language interpreting, you have to get in like in graduate school so you have to be fluent in sign language you have to have a lot of things and then you apply so when i applied there was 90 applicants and 25 people got in so we get to the first day of class and the teacher says there's 25 of you today but when we graduate in two years there will probably be 12 or 13 of you and so over the course of two years people continued to drop out for one reason or another or just didn't cut it Um, and each person that left they were like our family especially after the first year and so there was a lot of tears a lot of heartache a lot of i spent a lot of money i invested all this time and when i got to the end i was like i this isn't a fit i'm so happy i'm not going to spend the rest of my life doing something i'm not happy with i was like okay what's next and i just never realized about myself what kept taking me through all these twists and turns and so when I approached APIs, I've brought a lot of the lens of like marketing, developer funnel. How do you really get to the developer experience that makes people love your product? Like, how do you move them further down the funnel to be a productive partner with each other? And it's a very symbiotic relationship. And yeah, so I am a bridge. I love bridging people together. Deaf people, hearing people. Um, I did project management for a while, but I realized I was really doing program management or uh, product management, more like, Mm The what and the why, um, and bringing business folks and technology folks together, and I think that's why I really like APIs because it really has this practical use case of bringing in the people side and the the, the potential, like unleashing the potential that I mean APIs are really about potential, like what can you build with it? Yeah,
1: I I love that I, I love this is the first time i've heard this word and and i love the way you described it is, is this like you get you get really deep into something and then you become this this kind of bridge uh and, and i in a few ways i think i've had some similar experiences i have two degrees in music i don't have any degrees in computing and and i tried different things too and i thought i was just you know just lousy at stuff I, I it took me a long time to find find a spot um but one of the things that you mentioned uh this this idea of uh, of you know, being focused on people and the other things reminds me of it is one of the things that I remember. I think I saw you speak on this. I know you've written about this. Um, this idea of being a responsible, responsible APIs and thinking about um, uh, what happens when you close down an API and all these other things. I think you have an article specifically on this. And you may not have been the first person to mention it that I heard, but your version of that story of the of of being responsible and taking care of people once they start using your API really stuck with me. And that goes back a long ways. I think that was probably an API Strat talk that I saw you. And and now hearing you sort of explain some of your journey, it kind of uh, really makes sense to me. It's sort of it's sort of like oh yeah sure that that's right. So you talked a lot about transparency in ways. This was like five six seven years ago. I think it was. It was yeah, 2016.
3: It. Wow.
1: It was, I wrote yeah. about it in 2016. Mm-hmm. Wow. So so yeah, you were writing about that level of transparency. That's it seemed pretty radical to me at the time. And you were talking a little bit about public roadmaps, what some people were doing, but especially this notion of migration, it's that in particular hit me and it's become a part of what I teach every day, oh, which wow, is once that's you start so cool. an API, you're you're responsible for what happens next. And it really mm-hmm. comes from that article. It comes from 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 I, I say I learned that from you.
3: Wow, that is that's really exciting to hear. I think I that's what I really like the most about being like I I like to say that I'm a a builder and creator for makers, creators and developers. Like I like building platforms where people can build on top of that. One of my favorite all-time books ever is called um uh Big Magic. It's by Elizabeth Gilbert and she talks a lot about uh, the idea between, um, or the relationship between human beings and ideas and how ideas find humans to bring those ideas to life. <laughs> and she really gets deep into the metaphysical stuff of like how a, a intangible thing that you can't really see and how a human being interact and um, brings into the ego and different things like that. And she says that none of our ideas are original. We're all building on the shoulders of each other. And I subscribe to that. like. I, everything that I've ever written about or built or been influenced has been by collaboration with others, whether that's through reading and we're not even in the time and space or this conversation or, uh, working on a team directly. So collaboration can happen in ways where you might not even know the person when you are collaborating. And I think that's really cool.
2: I think that's part of the things about APIs that I find really fascinating is it allows some of this collaboration to happen, like you said, with people you don't even know before. Like that's like a relatively new thing in humanity to be collaborating creatively, and building things together, like at such a distribution. Um, but yeah, I love I love that idea of like you know always like manifest it. Like the idea is so like tangible, intangible. You can move it around. You can change it a lot. As soon as you try to make that real, like and manifest it, like everything gets complicated. Um, but uh, <laughs> share in this idea space, you know, and, and get and iterate really quickly. And then like, yeah, once you make it real, like the real world fits in and there's like different constraints, it's harder to change. And it's like a whole other part of the story. But um, yeah, I love that. I love that idea that like these are APIs, of, I've always thought of them as the ways that people collaborate without realizing they're collaborating.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like- that's why I like hackathon so much because it's like you're bringing your API to a hackathon. I actually have an article written that I haven't published yet. It's called Taking Your API to a Hackathon. (laughs) And it's like this idea of showing up with, I don't know, your potluck item, the thing that you're contributing. And that's why I really like the hackathons where the tables are around the outside and people are sitting there, I mean, before COVID times, obviously. like the launch hackathon that I when I was at Best Buy, we were one of the sponsors, and the launch hackathon has five hundred developers, and so you have all these tables across the um, what is the building in San Francisco, the big hangar building that a lot of conferences oh, happen. Um, been...
0: Dang it, Fort. I yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't think of the name. It's on oh. tip of my tongue. Anyway, go ahead. Well,
3: so but Somebody it's go. like you're sitting at the table and you're not only building into the potential of what other people have the opportunity to create by the combination, because it's like, if we have a potluck and I bring a um, type of food that pairs really well with something that you brought, and maybe we didn't even know it's a happy coincidence. It's kind of like, um, there's a sum is great yeah yeah and it's like the relationships like if you map out the relationships like you have seven people and then you map out all the connections or you have 14 or 21 like how those possibilities infinitely like grow and but hackathons also have the opportunity to contribute back to the api because it's like when you're sitting at the table and you have 10 developers coming up with the same exact problem you're like Oh, this is the problem that they're having that I'm not seeing when I'm back at the office working with the team, and you get that like gritty friction where you're like, okay, we need to do something about this because this is a, clearly a, a a pervasive issue.
0: Fort Mason.
3: Fort Mason, yes. Fort yeah. Mason, yeah.
0: It's the hard one to always get to. You gotta you gotta take a cab or an Uber. I remember yeah. even before Uber times, we like take the bus out there. It's it's not the friendliest place to
1: get to, but once you're there, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, the, that you mentioned potluck. So I grew up in Michigan and I have lots of Scandinavian family. So uh, South Dakota, Iowa, stuff like that. So potluck immediately, I sort of recognize this hot dish kind of metaphor <laughs> right away. And then I love that you mentioned connections as well, because uh, uh, and potentials, you've mentioned a couple of times, because my musical background was actually improvisation, jazz and things like that. And that's totally what like, what Aiden is talking about in the sense that you bring your horn, you bring your sensibility and your horn, and you have yes. no idea what's going to be created until you're there. That's the only reason I'm doing this. So I can go to interact with others and create something that I could not have created by myself. I'm not here to record myself. I'm here to interact with others. And mm-hmm. I tend to think of APIs the very same way. I want APIs to be that place you use to create something that you wouldn't be able to do by yourself. So I really love that you're picking up on that.
3: Yeah, that's cool. A band is a great metaphor for APIs.
1: It is, right? Yeah. We've talked, I think uh, Ken and I have talked a couple of times about trying to use some kind of collaborative idea for uh, for creating APIs or creating software or something like that. I think that's something that's just floating around.
3: So I'm like a big, big book person. And to close out the loop on the multi-potentiality and the Rainforest Mind in case people are listening and they're like, wait, what is this? This sounds like this could be a thing. Here are two books that I would love to recommend because this one is called um, Rainforest Mind. So it's like a field guide. Okay. And she goes through and has these checklists and you are either reading them and you're like, yes, yes, yes. Or I'm in a book club where one woman was like, no. Yeah. didn't, no. didn't even really understand the first chapter. And then, um, and then how to be everything. This is a author out of Portland. Actually, I think they're both out of Portland, Oregon. And, um, and she goes specifically into multi potentiality, polymaths, how they're different. Um, yeah, overthinkers, right. bookworms. So to kind of close out that conversation, I'll leave you with those two books.
1: I got reading. I got reading to do. We got to get better with the show
0: notes too. After Matt uh, Reinbold last week, I had to like add some bullets for what he contributed, and now we got to do. So I got to get better in a way.
2: I have a question. So, so you've gone through this journey. You've done a lot of different things. You came from this background that not many people come into the API and tech space from. What are some of the kind of perspectives or insights you think that uh, that's like giving you, like looking back on it?
3: Yeah, I mean, the first thing is that I guess as an observer and just sort of existing in the tech ecosystem, I see a lot of people um, and and there's nothing wrong with this. This isn't, this is just an observation. It's like people uh, talk about tech as being like in tech or trying to break into tech or try to enter tech as like there's an in and there's an out. And I guess for me, I just, that concept is really foreign but it's been a helpful concept of observing other people going through that journey because it helps me to reflect back on my own journey which is, um, I guess it, it dovetails kind of nicely to the conversation you were having with Lorinda like about what is technology supposed to be? It's supposed to be about people and creativity. and so. Um, you know, when I when I finished high school, I did not know what I wanted to do. And nothing seemed interesting to me. College didn't seem interesting, getting a job. Like I didn't really know what to do with myself. And so I um, traveled and I postponed going to college. And um, I got this office job on the side where I was kind of like traveling. But my friend who worked at the office, her, her and her band were going on tour in Germany. And she was like, hey, I need someone to to fill in to backfill for my dad's office where I work. So I went there. I was like, okay, you're going to pay me cash per hour. This is great. I can do this. Um, and they wanted me to label all these files. And it was an insurance company. An insurance company, what happens is you have these representatives, representatives leave the company, then all these clients become orphan clients. And so anytime a representative left the company, they took these orphan files and put them into. A filing cabinet room. And so when I went into this filing cabinet room, it was like just piles and the Z's were in this drawer and the M's were over here mixed with the A's. And so I'm like filing them. And to give you context, this is about 2000 and, or about 1999, 2000. And so I um, I'm, I'm filing them and doing this. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of people here that live in different cities, they're different age demographics, they have different products, they have different needs. Like, don't you wanna cut across this data and like <laughs> reach out to them or have a strategy? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, well, what if we like digitize this and made, um, you know, like a, a, a data store for it? Um, they were like, okay, so then I started doing that. And then as I started expanding, I started taking like classes in order to get that job done to like achieve my goal. And so I started taking Excel class that like got really far into visual basic and an access database class. And then I realized like, I really like this. Like, and but I never thought I was in tech. I just thought I was achieving something. And so then um, I went off to study sign language interpreting and I entered that program. And then I was realizing I don't wanna do that but I started studying communications. And while I was in college, one of my jobs was to work on the Lotus platform to build the website and to um, take care. I was like the technical person. I still didn't think I was in tech. And so like then to graduate college with a communications degree and a focus in writing, I still didn't think I'm in tech or out of tech. I didn't even think about it. But my first job then was a project manager on a technical team. And I worked on um, software development and a lot of deployments and releases. And I loved it, like absolutely loved it. I love, deployment pipelines, I love everything to do with releasing software. But I still didn't think of that as breaking into tech. And so it is really just interesting for me to see now that there's like, more of a like, you're getting into tech, or you're not in tech yet, or that you need some permission. And I think that because we've gotten too far away from the idea of solving problems and using technology to do that. And it kind of goes well with when you think about becoming a developer, you wanna do all the things, code all the things. But the more mature you get in the curve of your experience, then it's like, how do I think through the problem more deeply and write as least amount of code? Do not repeat yourself. Like all those principles that come to play where it's like, let's be smarter about this and more efficient about our code. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I wanna get back to solving problems and that's part of like diversity initiatives. It's like, we need more people at the table solving problems And it's not necessarily about being in tech or out of tech like everyone should be in tech if they want to be solving a problem using technology
0: i mean i love the everyone should be in tech because this is this is precisely why i got into apis is i saw what the cloud and mobile was doing for uh i was a database you know i'm database administrator since 1986 87 and my so, kind of person you know I love <laughs> databases I mean you do an access databases like I mean I I created some really great access databases that I, I was in love with you know and that but I saw myself definitely as in tech because I'm, I'm I'm white male you know it's definitely like it, it attracted me and, and I, I identified yes of course I'm a programmer you know and, I, and you got to prove yourself all the way up. But that's why I saw that the databases were the center of power in every org that I went to, whether it was a commercial or a, a, a nonprofit, the database became the center where everyone, and it wasn't always good and it wasn't always bad. It was just kind of a weird mix of power. And then APIs kind of started poking that hole in the, in the kind of outside shell of this. And you started doing that outside collaboration and, and bringing other people in which scares the hell out of some of the organizations i worked with but some of the ones that were open to that type of collaboration you know really thrived on it so i saw that potential with mobile phones in the cloud and like we need to get other people involved in this and then as soon as i started researching it in 2009 formally it's like people were really mean to me like all the rest mm-hmm. people like you're dumb, you know, like really just brutalizing me. And I was like, man, you know, this this space needs someone who's going to be a little more accessible, a little more friendly and help kind of be that bridge because this is everywhere. We need everyone at the table here. And so, I mean, I think that's one reason why you and I are attracted to each other in, in the API space because, you know, I, as soon as I sat down and started talking to you about it, it was like, okay, yeah, you're... You're coming at this from the same angle as I am is about solutions, about solving problems. It's not the the usual dogma and other stuff that we see in this space. So thank you.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thank you. I like that you talk a lot about the politics of API, because I think that's important, right? Like politics gets thrown around as a bad word, but really what it is is it's a way of um collaborating and surfacing up the best ideas. Like, I don't know, I, I like celebrate the discourse that comes from navigating through the politics of APIs. In fact, um, I remember, yeah, you worked for the Obama administration in APIs. And this was around the same time, maybe it wasn't, but in 2015 at Mind the Product, there was a big talk by Dana Chisdell.
0: Is that? Sounds familiar, Dana. Um,
3: I, I don't know if I'm saying her last name correctly. But anyways, what she talked about is the public um, APIs as being a public health crisis, like ah. the healthcare.gov site, mm-hmm. um, and talking about how when you have a government that has all these different contractors and all these different people who are all building authentication, who are all building these like systems that could be distributed um, in a way where they're like centralized, and then everyone uses the same authentication with APIs, or everybody uses the same, yeah. um, you know, different system, and so. Uh, talked about how this big story, the 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 video is still recorded. It's on Mind the Product in London, 2015. And um, it was really good. It was about how API is being central to product usability.
0: It was probably that out of the, the squad that had to diagnose the healthcare.gov. You remember when it launched? And, yes. And so there was a group of us who sat there triaging, trying to figure out we'd go through the flow and try to figure out what went wrong. And it ended up being an Oracle auth um, connection that was like basically a denial of service attack. And it would freeze everything up because everything, <laughs> the dependency chain all went to this one Oracle service, even though it was like 50 state marketplaces. And then yeah. they were like, who wants to run this kind of squad to fix this? and And like, cover it and I was like not me. And I was like and so I think I think that's where she came on that on that because it was that whole group and they worked on it for a while. I mean it was it was intense it was a, a crazy scene behind behind the curtain watching all of this unfold. So it's not that I'm not up for that challenge. I was just like that kind of politic and at that level there was no like, it's <laughs> I'm not cut out for that. So yeah it's uh it's interesting to learn um from the public data side it's I Mm -hmm. that's what kicked my entrepreneurial white male ego like flattened it is like up until 2013 I was like I can fix anything you just throw me into an industry and I'll figure it out I'll make you a web or a mobile solution sure sure and then I went and I was part of some of those and I saw the scope of problems and I was like oh oh, wow okay yeah I'm not gonna volunteer myself as much as I used to. And I'm going to just keep my mouth shut and listen and learn
2: (laughs) from people like that. So,
3: But that humility can be good for all of us, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one of the, uh, interesting pieces of all this is that, there's such this uh, like bias towards like throwing more people or more time or more resources at a problem, and I think the the real solution. What excites me about uh, sort of bringing more minds and more diversity and in thought into solving these, these issues and actually like solving a problem for for users at the other end um, is that a lot of times just like different perspective is actually what you need. Um, okay. you need someone about the problem. A thing that the and my whole sort of start to my career was actually building a low code tool um it was really mm-hmm. cool about that is you could put your api in it and then the designers and the non-programmers could build a solution and you know it wouldn't scale beyond like the first tens of thousands of users but you learned so much so quickly because the people who are close to the stakeholders and close to the problem space didn't have to communicate that to, to the humans who are writing the code they could just do it themselves and work really autonomously so to me like That's what, and that was only possible because of APIs. So, uh, you know, it couldn't have fit into a monolith if the thing hadn't been composed in a way that made it sort of slottable and Lego buildable. So to me, that's what like all of APIs and why I'm so excited about being in the space is like, the more you can sort of split software up into tiny pieces that you can understand, the more really cool tools you can build on top of that, that let like non-programmers, whether they're designers or data engineers or uh, people like my dad who, you know, tell, his programmers he works with how to write the algorithm to make it compliant with the laws. But, you know, 90% of his job has always been telling them what to write and then waiting for it to come back six months later and then saying it's wrong. Like, why can't Mm -hmm. Excel, Um, you know? So I think there's this whole generation of tools that just don't exist that are all built on APIs that allow us to be more inclusive with tech. And I think that's what would actually Mm -hmm. solve issues if we, if we had a world that was like that.
3: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I look at all the low code, no code tools, and I am like in awe and really excited to see the dream that I think a lot of us saw really early on, like start to come to life. Because speaking of like the politics of APIs, it's like, I still remember being an API product manager and i would talk to people within my org or within the software industry maybe like at a local meetup or um in different places and i only ever got one of two responses ever which is what are apis or <laughs> oh yeah i work with apis too <laughs> like and, and and like championing that inside of a large organization where you know as i was leaving a large organization and trying to pitch like you know wouldn't it be great if when you buy a refrigerator for example that automatically you get these callbacks like maybe even like a web hook i guess of like um i'm listening and now that the time is six months later i know you need a new water filter and i'm just gonna send it to you because I know you're not going to want to look up the model, figure out where to buy it, figure out how to install it. It's just going to show up with really clear instructions or, you know, these just different things that automate and make your life less full of like friction that you don't need. Like we don't need to look up water filters and figure out where to buy them. And the I mean, I've had this problem. And at the same time, I was having, you know, executives and people say, like, an API, what? No. Like what's the future for APIs? It's like the possibility of building together. That's the future.
2: Yeah, increase revenue in the way that we currently understand versus create entirely new ways of exactly. solving user problems. And, and yeah, like, why, why are, am I ever buying air filters or water filters or any kind of, like there's just, filters should just happen. Like that should just, <laughs> should just exist.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there's, there are so many, we have so many opportunities now, we keep kind of saying the same thing, where we can completely rethink the situation. Um, mm. you know there's the whole jobs to be done, you know, you know methodology which is what is it that people are really trying to do they're trying to hand a picture. They're not trying to buy a drill. They don't care about drills. They care about picture stuff like that. Mm. I think there's also a, you know really reframing problems or reframing the challenges. Often the problem is not that I don't have an API. The problem is I don't have a filter. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. So if we can just make filters happen and that means that you don't need filters anymore or, you know, there's just all these things that we can do. And and one of the things I think about when I think of diversity of thought, what I'm really thinking of is sort of the same idea, which is somebody who says, well, I didn't realize that that was even a problem. My problem Mm -hmm. is this. So They completely reframe it. And all of a sudden I have a completely different perspective on what it is that's really going on here. And it turns out me building whatever I'm building, like that's a waste of time. What we need to do is pay attention to what I'm hearing and solve that problem. You talked about, I can't remember who was talked about tooling. I'm so excited because APIs can make tooling better. We can create better tools and better tools means we create better APIs and then better APIs means we create better tools. And there's this kind of thing that, that, uh, that, that, that's called bootstrapping. Douglas Engelbart, the guy who created the mouse had this idea that computers should make us think better, which means we can build better computers. So we have all of that potential that it seems to be is getting closer to our everyday. When I was looking through the things, you shared a bunch of stuff with us um, uh, before before the show, and it reminded me you were doing, you're doing the very kind of thing, right? You're just trying to solve a problem. You see something like the way you were talking about uh, looking for a therapist, and I'm not filling out this paperwork anymore, and all these other things. You're just constantly finding a new way to to solve another problem, and I just I just really love that. Whether it's in tech or you know out of mm-hmm. tech, whatever, it's problem solving, which I think is just very very cool. That must be something. I mean, is that something you acquired, uh, or is that something you were always doing? Like, you know, were you not filling out forms in in grade school, or did that just
3: come I mean. Like I mean, possibly, I mean, I, I guess, let's put it this way, I, I, one of my team members said this one time, and it has stuck with me, it's like, in our careers, we get to work on a number of different things. And um, sometimes we win projects, sometimes we don't, like, sometimes we build something, and it's a total flop. I just built a company, total flop, closed it, Right. How many years did that take me? The project I worked on for like transfer, digital transformation for this other company, that was a set of years, right? And so when I show up for a project, I hear this person's um, voice in my head. And it's like, you know, I come, I play to win. Like I'm collectively competitive and I want to achieve and accomplish and build great things. I have no problem with failing. I I, like try raising capital for a company that's Mm. around birth.
2: Mm-hmm. You get
3: a lot of nose. Like this, just failure every day. You're just like eating those nose. Breakfast, you think, lunch, you dinner. You think
0: birth would be popular? I mean, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's something like we're that's all
3: born. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: so, anyway, I, I love I love that project. By the way, I, I read up some. This is the. Do you say Mina? Mina. What do you say?
3: Mina. Mina. Mm-hmm.
1: I love yeah. I love that project so much, and I love how it morphed like into a much bigger project, right? And it was very exciting to me. Uh, I just love the idea. Totally. So just comment.
3: Yeah. So it's like, I, I, I come, I play to win. And so knowing that I have a certain finite project in me, it's like, I assess things first, like where will this next opportunity like take me? I don't want to just take a job to take a job. I want to take a job to learn, to grow, to be on a new team, to make a difference. And so Um, I'm always sort of looking for that big opportunity to do something. So for example, I left, when I worked at Best Buy Mobile, that was a really fantastic project because it was a joint venture between Best Buy and Carphone Warehouse. And the team I was on, about a third of us were from the US, a third of us were from India, and a third of us were from the UK. And so we really focused on culture and like sharing, like having things like rotating breakfast monthly club. So then we would make traditional breakfast from our country and then share the food and share the like how to make it and all these different things. But anyways, it was it was just like really interesting. we were doing cutting edge things. And I was just reading this book, uh, Matchmakers. And it's about platforms and marketplaces. And that book is just filled with so many things of the early mobile industry and I was like, wow, like this, my work is in here and it's not my work. It's not about Kristen Womack. It's about the things that I got to work on in that time period. And that makes me really excited and proud. And um, then I left Best Buy and um, and I got a call uh, about a year later and they said, hey, we have this job. It was a recruiter and, and they were like, we'd love for you to come to Best Buy. And I was like, I don't know, what department is it in? And they said, "Dot .com. I said, no, like absolutely <laughs> never. Because Wait. when I was in Best Buy Mobile, um, the projects I were on, I mean, I was on one demo to the executives and we showed working software and we were one of the first like departments to work on agile. This was in 2008, nine, 10. And, um, and the executives at the end of the table said like some swear words and they were like, wow, this is like working software. Like, what do we have from com? is this stack of paper. And that's, it's <laughs> been a year. I haven't seen anything. And you know, it's not a product of the people who are on the team. It's a product of like, Who's pushing the envelope? How are things getting done? Like, what are we, are we just subscribing to the rules to subscribe to the rules and just mm. the way of doing software of like not trusting each other and then throwing more requirements in. So then you have to push the release date and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And so at .com I was like, yeah, no, I am not interested in releasing software once a year. I'm not interested in the crap that is what it is today. Like I wouldn't even shop on the website. So again, this was like 2010, 11. And that was, a, a it was a thing, right? That was when the recession was happening and um retailers were closing their doors left and right mm-hmm. and everyone was going out of business and at best buy they said to me on the phone they were like no hear me out we are looking for change agents we want people who can come in and do this digital transformation that's about people process and technology and so then i met with some of the architects and i interviewed and i was like this is what I wanna do. I feel like we can make a big difference in how people build software. And so we went from having annual releases to having weekly releases. And actually my team on the open API side, we were the very first team in that company to go from development to stage in a continuous fashion. Like we had a continuous deployment pipeline and we were the first people to do that. And um, that took a lot of pushing and a lot of, um, you know, like, like you asked if i continue to say no i mean i was invited mm-hmm. to go to middle of the night deployments and i said i don't participate in a firefighter siloed culture we should yeah. build in more automated tests we should figure out how to do things where people can sleep and get be at, at home at night and so they asked me to um to verify our deployment so the first very first time i did it and at three in the morning they're like okay you can check your things hit the api I was like yep it works so i stayed up till 3 a.m to do that no And so we were using Jenkins at the time. And they said, we want you to come to this test lead meeting. Can I get, can I come to know the name of your test lead? And so I I wrote back Jenkins and the woman was like, came to, I mean, she came to my desk and then she said, and she sat down, she was like, Kristen, I, I, I can't find Jenkins in the, and then I felt, I felt kind of bad, but I was making a point. And I said, Jenkins is our automated server. Here is, um, here is the URL. And if you hit that and run the tests, and they all line up green, then you're good to go. And if they are red, then call me, like call my team. And so um, pushing back on what's celebrated. So what was celebrated at eight in the morning, you know, the executives come in with donuts, thank you so much for staying up all night. And it's like, not subscribing to that, because that doesn't give you the right incentive, right? If you wanna build a particular kind of culture, you have to have the incentives there. And so, yeah, I guess I am. I'm always kind of like pushing to be collectively competitive with whatever team I'm on to enhance the lives of the people on the team, to enhance, like like to not silo information as job security. I mean, to really yeah. know, like if I make this as, I'm able to be removed at any time that's also freeing, because you can go on vacation, you can take care of your family. You can get promoted. But if you are siloed in that, you're also getting the worst of the best, right? Like you might have job security, but you might have job security. so,
0: <laughs>
3: so yeah, i like I like I like pushing for human potential, right? Like what can we automate so that you can keep thinking about how to solve new problems and keep thinking about how to work together and um, yeah, so I I really enjoy that, and so I come I play to win. Like I like a big challenge. I like working with te- people that I think that we can do it, and it's not toxic. Um, and I look for those things.
2: I I hear a lot of like different like scales here. Like like on on the short term scale, it's like yeah, silo things, secure information. And on long term, like having a team that's super effective and ships software that people love is like the best job security. So like that's what we yes. should be pining for. Um, yeah. and it's the same, same kind of thing with your, with your search for the therapist. Like someone may have taken the situation be like, I'm going to make a stamp that like automates the form for me and like, oh, five stamps I'll bring with me in my purse and I'll just stamp the paper. And then like, we're good. <laughs> and you're just like, no, not playing that game, going to play the other game. And um, yeah. I, that's what it takes like to, to really solve problems is just like go in the room and be like, okay, like everyone's saying that the, the, the quote is like, if I had asked what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, but like, yes. you know, it's, it's seeing that, yeah, maybe we make life better by going after the human potential going after all this and not going after this other traditional way of building software that, you know, is optimizing for the way I feel this week, this month, but not how successful mm-hmm. we might be in a year.
3: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Where, uh, so I suspect you've, I, I could be wrong, but you've always pushed. Um, so even when you're younger, you probably pushed, pushed, pushed on boundaries. Yes. And and, uh, and ask questions, <laughs> I could imagine you've always asked questions. but at, at what point in your life would you say you stopped you, you you started figuring out that you weren't failing, that you were just kind of learning along the way and pushing and asking questions. Was there a certain age or time period or or have you? I mean, I don't I'm not saying you even have like put yeah, it's not failure. it's it's just it's Kristen testing. Asking questions and 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 moving forward in different ways. Some successful and some not, but always learning.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I have my mom to blame for this. Um, uh, Ken, you know my brother, you've met my brother, but my mom, so it's my brother uh, who's about two years younger than me, and my mom and I. And um, my mom, you know, if I ever asked her, like, oh, I'm doing my homework, what's two plus two? I don't know. What is two plus two? <laughs> And like in 1992, when the presidential election happened, um, she said, okay, uh, you and your brother, the two of you go off and do your research. And both of you have to come to the conclusion, a joint conclusion of who I'm gonna vote for and do your work and then come let me know. And so we did our research and, um, then we came back and said, this is who we want you to vote for. So then she went to the polls and she voted and then the next morning the three of us woke up and turned on the radio to listen to who won the election And that was like the theme of my upbringing was um, figuring it out for myself and that that gratification or that that like that feeling of achieving it myself and collectively with my family and I think that, I you know I have just always been the way I've been and it wasn't until I started having some interpersonal problems that I kept talking and bringing up about at therapy and I really really love therapy because you learn so much about yourself and how to better interact and be a better partner a better teammate a better leader a better parent a better you know citizen of the world and so that's when I started realizing that <clears throat> I have just like a different mind. And that's when she started explaining to me that 95% of the world is like linear thinkers and that I'm not. And then once she started showing me some of the things and I started reading these books, I was like, Oh, this is the why behind I can't stop doing it and being the way I am. <laughs> and um and And my brother is like me a lot in a lot of ways. And my dad was like me, and now I have a daughter who's eight and a half who's a lot like me. And Mm -hmm. so I can see a a pattern. So I I think I've just always been like this and it's only in the last year and a half that I think I've really been learning about, like I'm getting the metadata about myself. (laughs) And Uh, like, you know, I have some new URLs to point to and and (laughs) like, yeah.
0: (laughs) Much richer metadata coming back from, uh, from, from those new ones. Yeah, I I'm with you. And I mean, we've talked about it before in in this, that this is kind of the API storytelling kind of route is I, I didn't know who I was really. And I sucked at everything until I did API evangelists. And it honestly, it's still part of my like, oh, I don't do much other things is because it's like the first good thing that I've ever been able to do because everything else was I was a loser. I just was not good at it. And then similar, the journey for the last bit, therapy, all of that, you know, like it it starts showing who you, you, who you are and you're like, well, wait, I'm not a failure. I'm mm-hmm. actually a different <laughs> person. And like, and you start the, the past makes a lot more sense now than it, than it did to yes. me before, because I'm able to made that switch in the last, I would say I've only made it in the last five years where I'm just like, mm-hmm okay, I'm actually very successful and it's just all of this other baggage and I'm actually very good at things. And Mm -hmm. so storytelling, talking to people, I mean, we'll have to, I guess we'll have to explore how therapy fits in with storytelling and all of that. Exactly.
3: Well, you know, I'll add one last thing, which is that, um, you know, studying sign language, it's, you study so much about the culture and, and by culture, I mean, understanding your culture you were raised in, cultures that are around the world, like how to um, know how language affects culture and culture affects language. And like, there's power dynamics. And so if you wanna change the way that you, something is, you can change the language about it. Um, So I'll just give you one brief example of that. So like in the birth world, they always talk about how the baby is delivered. Mm -hmm. You know, this baby is delivered. A baby isn't delivered the person who is the birthing person gave birth or the baby was born so delivered gives all the power to the system and to the doctor or the midwife and the birth puts the active person so like there's a lot of passive voice and there's and i and in sign language journey, um, I took linguistics in my second language. So I studied ASL linguistics and then I got into linguists like George Lakoff and like starting to think about like how words and power and naming work and how they're all intertwined. And for me, that really lines up with API URLs and like how we design the information and how we design, you know, the document that comes back or like thinking about JSON and, and, it's just it's all intertwined and so it's like oh all these twists and turns really added up to being able to be like really effective for me right now and it's like they were gifts along the way that kind of all added up into one story and so i think there is a talk i can't remember a woman at api strat did a talk actually about why apis should be designed by linguists and i think that uh her talk was really good it was um
0: it was uh, Eduardo and uh, Elena, I believe. It was Elena, maybe because they were uh, uh, not. I want to say API, but that's not right. They were. Uh, what was the name of their company? But it was linguistic. Yes,
1: that, it was. Yes, I, I know the ones. It's it's the sort of the API days in uh, Spain, right, or Barcelona, yeah, right? Barcelona.
0: But they came stateside yeah. too and did some. Yeah. so yeah. No, that was a powerful. I went through that whole processing and that's when I started thinking about APIs in the same sense.
3: Yeah, and if you think about words, um, characters, letters, depending on what language you're talking Mm -hmm. about, all these different things that make up our conversation and sentences and paragraphs and books and titles so i've spent a lot of time in seo and i always compare seo to like a book and it's like if you want your website to be read like read by bots that search your website you need to give them the pointers and the cues like don't make a header bold 26 font and expect them to know that that's a header it has to be an h1 you have to have paragraph text you have a title you have all these different things that Like I can pick up this book and quickly traverse the chapters and know what it's about. And APIs are similar to language in that when you're structuring data and APIs, you can then also put them together to make different um, tools or apps, or even connect different apps together to create one experience and create these low-code things. So it's almost like we're structuring the way we structure language and the way we do different things, we're also taking to the API world and structuring experiences, which are like, I don't know, uh, taking books and making a library or a bookstore that's about a certain thing. So it's kind of like those similar structures really appeal to me. Well, I think that's the next thing I should write about. Yeah. <laughs> there you
0: go, there you go. Um, I, I'll i do my usual plug. Aiden w- runs a company that we call I call StoryCorps and we're actually gonna talk about it in a separate session next week. And that's all I have to say on it this week. Um, but we're coming up against time. Um, so I, I actually, I got one thing on the birthing. So when my daughter was born, um, I was freaking out because my wife was screaming at me and I went to the lady who's going to deliver. And I said, is it time to deliver? And she's like, no, hon, I don't deliver babies. You did this, you bring her, you bring her into this world. And so I pulled Kaya into this world. So anyways, but uh, thank you, Kristen, for coming and joining us. Thank you for yep. thank you voice. for
3: having me this has been such a fun time and listening to your other sessions i like look forward to this each each time you publish one i am like eager to listen to um the conversation so keep going cool.
0: thank you cool. well thank we're you. we're happy to have you we're having fun we look forward to this time um with that said i'm gonna let you go first Kristen and then uh you enjoy your weekend and we'll see you online and hopefully we'll have you back someday soon Cool. Thanks. Thank so, you. Awesome, you guys. Wow. That was
2: another good one. Um yeah. has me thinking. I'm gonna be thinking on this one all weekend now.
1: <laughs> I got a ton of reading I have to do now. All of a sudden, I got, I got this book list I gotta go over. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's great what, what it triggers for the weekend thought. I really yeah. like this. Um have a good weekend, Mike. I'm gonna let you go next. We'll see Take you. Take it next easy guys.
3: See you next week. Yep. Enjoy. Cool. Bye bye.
0: Alrighty. So I'm going to send you a calendar invite for next week. We're doing the story course session so that I can uh, stop
2: bringing it up. So alright, I'll see you then. Um, have a great weekend. righty, boss. Good to see you, man. Take her Thank easy. You, Thank you so much.
0: All right. Another great one. All right, everyone have a good weekend. We'll see you next week.